Welcome to FMH InsureCast, a podcast created by Farmers Mutual Hale, designed to deliver expertise and insights from trusted FMH team members and industry experts. Each new episode will dive into new products, industry updates, and innovative solutions. Let's get to today's topic. All right, we are recording live from the National Agent Summit uh, with uh, Steve Johnson. Ken Ripley and I are here with Steve. Ask him a few things that are keeping farmers up at night and uh, how they might affect our marketing and risk management plans for 2023. I'll start with you, Ken. You've been on the show a few times before. Welcome back. Uh, Tell us a little bit about what you do. Yeah. Thanks again, Ryan. Yeah, it's uh, again, my name is Ken Ripley. I'm the regional sales manager for the Northwest region with Farmers Mutual Hale. Uh, very excited to be here at our National Agent Summit where we're recording this and have an opportunity to talk with uh, Mr. Johnson. This is going to be a lot of fun. Yes. And Steve, you don't need a whole lot of uh, introduction here, but you formerly worked for the Iowa State University Extension. Now you're retired, but you're still on the speaking circuit. Um, anything you'd want to add for the audience to know about what you've done in the past? Well, I don't have to give my disclaimer that my answers no longer <laughs> reflect Fair Iowa enough. State University Extension and Outreach. It's like being a free agent or it's like being in the transfer portal. That's right. I'm just on my own. All right. I, I used up all my college eligibility, so <laughs> yes. I, I could still be a college or football coach. So I see there's some openings. All right. You hang you hang on to that dream. We don't want to kill right. it. So exactly. I'll tell you what, if Iowa State's job ever opens up, I'll vouch for you. We want All right. <laughs> I appreciate that. So I still get to operate under, if you would, the banner of Iowa State. I still have an Iowa State sure. email. I still teach an online class. But this is what I love to do. Awesome. I love large groups, um, the, uh, my ability to leverage presentations, podcasts, uh, webinars, but I stayed with what I love, crop marketing, crop insurance, government farm programs. Yes, huh? yes. And so uh, just to give everybody a little bit of uh, extra info, you might hear some background noise. Of course, we're at the Direct Connect at the National Agent Summit. Let's get down to it, Steve. Uh, 2022 harvest is wrapping up. Uh, prices are still high, but what about some of the immediate threats that we have to farmers right now? Well, you know, one of the biggest ones that actually came out of my presentation today, what keeps farmers up at night, was this transportation issue. And you say, oh, well, that's the higher diesel prices. Well, that's a part of it. But then we've got the lower Mississippi. Um, that we can't flow fertilizer north and we're not flowing grain south so they're probably not going to move a lot of grain down the Mississippi. We're going to have to be very dependent on trucks yep. and rail. That's immediately. Mm-hmm. And then here's the $65,000 question. In 10 days from today, uh, we're going to see a vote uh, by uh, 10 of the 12 railroad unions and the first two said no we want more things or we're going on strike yeah well in 10 days around november 18th what if the railroads go on strike right right yeah uh obviously transportation issues and that railroad strike seems like something we should keep an eye on Ken, how are you seeing some of these issues show up on your own farm? Yeah, you know, it's a little interesting. Again, I, for those who don't remember, I farm in southern Minnesota. 
one of the things that I've seen that's been a little unique and maybe surprising, and maybe, uh, Dr. Johnson, you've got some insight on, locally right now, January, in my area, we're seeing positive basis. Our, our area just came off of very strong yields considering the model of rain we got. So I'm shocked to see zero to five cent positive basis at local co-ops, not soybean plants, they're positive as well, but even ethanol plants aren't quite as aggressive as some of the local co-ops. So is that is that a drive to try to capture grain from the north and take it south or what's driving that? Yes, I think this is the play for the, both the processors and the commercials to get their hands on the grain. Okay. And if there's ever a time that grain's still probably floating pretty freely, it's as we get to the last 20 or 30% of the harvest. Some of those producers are gonna have their on-farm storage filled up. Yep. And it's probably gonna go to the commercial facility uh, for storage. And I would say that, uh, you know, we're going to see some of those producers say, you know what? Uh, great basis, pretty good futures price, uh, could be a rail strike. I think I'll go ahead and move the grain in the system. I could replace via futures yep. our call options, the price of that grain. And I'd say yes. Yeah. I think managing the financial risk that could come from, and now I'm I'm playing off the rail strike. There's probably a lot of grain moving through the Pacific Northwest. You'd mentioned Minnesota, yep. the Dakotas. It's going out the P&W because it's not going south down the Mississippi. So there's probably a play right now. The question be also becomes, do you want the income in 22 or 23? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's all being deferred. <laughs> I mean, you've got to ask that to an individual yeah. grower. Do you need additional income? Uh, no. No. I'm looking for uh, expenses. Right. Because mm. you could prepay up to 50% of your normal crop expenses in 22 and deduct those in 23 as long as you've received those items. I think it's a combination. It's a risk management strategy to move the grain now. I mean, we were talking 10 days. I don't know what happens with this rail strike, and it probably doesn't happen immediately. Right. In fact, if you look at what the unions, how the unions have actually stated this, when would the railroads go on strike? Are you ready for this? The 22nd of December, Merry Christmas. So yeah. even though the unions vote, by the time you get done with all the unions and aligning and you can see the federal government getting involved. You can see probably Congress getting involved, who, whoever still has a job after today right. of saying, this is not gonna be good for the economy. This right. is another supply chain hurdle. So I'm saying if you're working with growers, you might wanna consider that. I mean, maybe you were gonna deliver the grain this second or third of January Maybe I'll go ahead and move it earlier than that. But if I'm going to take a, defer, a deferred payment, know who you're working with. Right. Yeah. I mean, exactly. if you're working with the mom and pop co-op, by the way, two of those just filed bankruptcy in Iowa. So don't think that you, you're an unsecured creditor to them. Right. So if you're going to defer that income uh, and receive the check, even though you've already delivered it, Let's make sure, A, you're working uh, with income tax preparer, you've got a pretty good idea, and B, you know the risk of moving the grain 
and not getting paid until the next tax year. Right. Gotcha. Right. Gotcha. You know, uh, lots of good info there on our 2022 crop as we're wrapping up this season. I'm looking forward to 2023 now with our current uh, price environment, our current commodity prices. Are there any changes that you would make to your marketing plan in this little bit more highly volatile price environment? I'm going to take a stand and it could be wrong. I think I'm going to be a little more aggressive early on pricing corn. Why corn? I, I just think that we've got a relatively, we still have relatively high 23 crop corn. I'm looking at the December contract. I mean, we're just like 50 cents below the December 22 crop. I do believe that there's going to be some volatility in that crop, but I don't think corn gets the effect of South American weather. I'm still betting sure. some pretty exciting January and February, my thinking, with South American weather. So maybe I'm not as aggressive, but I work with growers and some of them have 20, 25, 30% wow. of their 23 corn sold. But they also have half of their 23 inputs bought. So they're sure. leveraging this as if I own or control the land. Mm -hmm. I'm buying fertilizer. I'm especially buying fuel because this is when we use most of our fuel. Right. right. Harvest, fall tillage, fertilizer application. So I do believe I want to get my plan together, but I'm probably using my 22 crop insurance production, calculating break-evens, but there's still a lot of profit sitting out here for this 23 crop. And I think a lot of uncertainty about what does South America look like. So I'm willing to give beans another couple months, but I think I want to step in and get some corn priced, yep. uh, especially if I know I need that money. Yep. In the fall of 23. Yeah. Well, yeah. especially with our inputs going up, rents are going up, in, you know, most areas that I'm visiting. So it's, there's no question the risk is going up right along with that. So, yeah, that strategy yeah. of Ford sales definitely helps take a lot of that, some of that risk off the table, and knowing that it's protected through crop insurance. It's a part of sleeping at night. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, it's like, should I sell anything ahead? Well, I want to make incremental sales. I want to make them when crop prices are relatively high. I, I don't want to sell half my crop. But I mean, we put all our eggs in the month of February basket for crop insurance. Right. Unless you bought margin protection because that uses a different price discovery. So last year we got a surprise to the good. It was Russia's invasion of the Ukraine. It didn't happen until the 24th of February. And you say, well, I'm going to bet something else is going to happen. You know, it's like you don't know mm -hmm. that futures prices are going to move higher with that uncertainty, i.e. China moves into Taiwan. Oh, wow. The volatility of all the markets, including the stock market, is going to be crazy because it's going to be, well, isn't the world going to retaliate that China's doing this? And by the way, where are we getting our semiconductor chips now that so i think you've got to make sure that you are managing financial risk and that includes the 23 crop 
the 23 input costs and we haven't even got to 23 crop insurance but i don't know that growers are going to make significant changes they're getting pretty right. comfortable with mm -hmm. 75 80 85 percent revenue protection right. okay um but they're totally dependent upon what happens in the month of february for the projected price the volatility factor and the revenue guarantee right right exactly that's actually one thing um uh we'll be talking also about at the uh national agent summit here is that crop insurance because we have those guarantee of bushels because we know an APH and we know the level of coverage that we plan on taking, that guarantee of bushels, which you can't get anywhere else now with any financial tool, allows us to do the things that you're talking about, marketing ahead of time, selling those bushels before we have them, which is why crop insurance is such a, a critical piece of the puzzle. Um, I'll let either one of you answer this, and you kind of did already, Steve, there, but crop insurance in 23 we have lots more options than we used to what are a couple that you have on your radar for this coming uh sales season a uh, spring sales season yeah i especially with our increased costs if you I mean, definitely want to have producers take a look at eco seo things like that if you're not buying already at an 80 85 percent love or something because i think it's so critical with the amount of risk that we have in the inputs to keep our coverages on the higher side and not do what we've always done you know no. we can ensure a profit uh, unless something really happens between now and in february on our price discovery we should be able to ensure a break even that's that works with our operations that's what i'm personally looking at yeah uh, you know, my thinking is, and, and I mentioned this at the summit, we need to move these crop insurance decisions 30 days earlier. You know, those are getting made in March. Those need to get made in, by the middle of February, you know, and we need to start on our education by the middle of January because my caution, and you know my term, March madness. Yep. March 15th deadlines, uh, not only crop insurance, but ARC PLC, and here's my tagline, March Madness, and it has nothing to do with college basketball. Right. <laughs> um, is that we don't know the projected price until first couple days of March. We don't know the volatility factor, so we don't know the premium. We don't know the revenue guarantee. I'm concerned that growers back way too many decisions up. And then, especially with the increasing cost, they use crop insurance as a place to cut. Yeah, right. It's like they're not cutting fertilizer and they're not cutting fuel. You know, they're still buying crop protection. They've already, you know, pre-bought seed. And again, they got volume discounts and cash discounts, income tax strategies. But I think because crop insurance sits as one of the later decisions that we make in the fall and winter, we're just kicking the tires. So we kick the tires for two months. Yeah. And then we decide in early to mid-March, am I going to change tires or not? Or am I going to keep the same old tires? Yep. Right. Yep. Right. Exactly. Nope. I don't think we could agree with you anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we would love our... Uh, our farmers to get in and talk to their agents earlier rather than later you know really by the mid part of february it's hard to get a quote that that wrong uh it's hard to get it wrong so uh switching gears here a little bit fsa programs uh you also talked about this in your session steve arc and plc 
they also just opened those programs up for uh, sign up. Uh, 2023, ARC and PLC. What are your thoughts? Easy answer. Same answer I've used for about the last five years. Go ahead and make your ARC PLC decision. Work with FSA. They're not busy, trust me. All right. <laughs> Unless you're going to buy SEO crop insurance, which requires you to elect and enroll PLC, then go ahead at the FSA office, take ARC County on all crops and all farms, and don't blink. But in working with your crop insurance agent earlier than you normally do, if you are going to buy SCO, supplemental coverage option, you'll have to go back into FSA by March 15th and change that election and enrollment. Again, you're making these decisions by crop in a yep. county, but that's crop insurance for FSA. You're making your decisions by crop by base acres. Right. Oh, there's that term. Right. So it's year number 10 yeah. of ARC PLC. You've had nine years to figure this out. I hope you're not counting on A, the FSA office, to make that decision. They just want to flow that traffic November and December and not have you back that into March Madness. Let's get that out of the way. Again, Arc County, all crops on all base acres, on all farms, and then just understand the interaction if you do decide to buy SCO. Yep. Yeah. And I think uh, both Ken and I would add uh, the outlook for payments on both ARC and PLC are very low just because of our high commodity prices yeah. and the guarantees set with ARC and PLC are quite low. So we'd have to see a significant drop in the price or a significant drop in the yield and price combination for the ARC County program or PLC program to actually trigger a payment. So more reason, I think, to consider SCO because we're still working off of those higher prices with, with SCO. Right. So yeah, I would agree. I mean, SEO has a play. ECO has a play. Yep. And you might move to a different level of coverage. Understand that if you go from 85 to 80% RP mm -hmm. and then you buy SEO, you're not going to get paid on SEO unless you drop below 86% using the county yield. So you really want to pay attention. Does my farm's yields trend with the counties? Right. That's really important to understand when you go to SEO or ECO, you're using an area-based plan, which means county yields. And oh, by the way, if you have a loss of SEO or ECO, you can't collect until we release RMA, releases the final county yields. That would be June 16th of 24. Correct. So don't Correct. use this SEO, ECO that I'm going to collect and pay back my operating note. No, you're not. The most important decision you're still making is that revenue protection decision and not just level of coverage, unit structure, and are you adding supplementals by crop, by county? Keep that as the base. That is the more important decisions you're making regarding crop insurance. Yep. yep. I agree. Those ARC and PLC programs are written into the Farm Bill as uh, Title I commodity programs. In 2020, 
three, we're expecting or we're scheduled to have a new farm bill. Was that correct, Steve? That's correct. This existing farm bill, five years. All right. This existing farm bill is due to expire on September 30th of 23. So we're covered for our 23 crop. It's business as usual. Year number 10. All right. The bigger question that you're going to ask me is what? <laughs> When's the next farm bill coming? That's a great question. <laughs> I don't know. Sure. <laughs> a lot will probably depend upon what happens with the midterm elections today. If we see this red wave, and it'll especially be in the House, then you're going to replace some of the Ag Committee and Finance Committee members. Some of those people coming in might not be aware. And don't forget about 80% of the funding in the Farm Bill is SNAP, Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program. So while I think they've had 150 hearings, they're probably gonna have to reset with some of these committee members. My personal opinion is, will there be a 23 Farm Bill and 23? Probably not. We'll probably extend the 18 Farm Bill for one more year, but then you've got a presidential election. Hmm. So there could be pressure of, we need to get this Farm Bill done this year, all right? It will probably be very dependent upon the new Republicans, if we have a red wave, of bringing them up to speed. The bigger battle of the farm bill will not be on energy and conservation because that was taken care of in the Inflation Reduction mm -hmm. Act. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think that most farmers, commodity groups, just give us what we had for the last 10 years and subsidize crop insurance and get the heck out of Dodge, but it's going to be the other side. It's going to be the SNAP people that say, hey, inflation's taking our food costs up, you know, 15 to 30%. So our money doesn't last as long. And right. I'm not talking just food stamps, but I'm talking my senior center. I'm talking, uh, you know, women in infant programs, WIC, and it was like, so I think the battle could be a rural-urban battle. Yep. What money can we move over here um, for the SNAP program? But I think crop insurance comes out of here pretty unscathed. I would expect that crop insurance is business as usual for the foreseeable future. Good. All right. Uh, so quick loop back then to those ARC and PLC programs. Do you think those are extended through the next farm bill? Are they serving the American farmer very well right now? Uh, any thoughts on the ARC and PLC program going forward? Yeah, I think the biggest complaint that's probably come from, from uh, commodity organizations is we haven't changed the reference prices. So you can't trigger a PLC until corn falls below 370 a bushel national average cash price. Heaven forbid that. It's 370 corn, 840 soybeans, and 550 wheat, and it hasn't changed in nine years. So maybe a part of the change that you see, or even the extension, would be to raise those reference prices. But ARC PLC is really not that valuable, especially right. to corn and soybeans, uh, or even wheat or sorghum. 
um, because the reference prices are too low. That's so, why you're better off just staying with the, the, the county art program. But I think you're going to hear a battle because uh, Cotton has stacks, so they don't have to depend upon ARC PLC. But peanuts and rice, that is the gravy train. They are not giving up PLC because uh, their prices are below their reference prices. So you create almost a regional battle. I'm not giving up PLC. So again, when you bring people in to the House Ag Committee or the House Finance Committee, there's a lot of people going to have to come up to hurry, you know, fast to be able to understand all these issues. And it's the partisanship that's been out here for right. 20 years that is actually probably going to play out. And the farm bill is not going to be exempt. Huh. No, well, that's all really good insight, Steve. And we really appreciate having you here at the National Agent Summit. Uh, Ken, anything to add before no. we sign off here? No, I think I've really enjoyed the discussion today and really nothing else to add my pleasure i enjoy the opportunity to come to the summit thank you so much steve and uh thank you everybody listening do remember to subscribe to the fmh surecast on whatever app you're listening to this on we'll talk to you later you've been listening to fmh insurecast we appreciate you joining us today and would like to hear from you if you have questions about today's topic or an idea to share for an upcoming podcast you can contact us at fmhpodcast at fmh.com. Thanks for listening. This podcast is intended for information purposes only. See policy provisions, terms, and conditions for details. Products underwritten by Farmers Mutual Hail Insurance Company of Iowa and its affiliates, West Des Moines, Iowa. Farmers Mutual Hail is an equal opportunity provider.